Hey there, True Multifamily listeners, Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here today with some awesome guests from overseas, uh, Michael Barnhart, Susie Sevier from Adventurous Real Estate Investing. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Justin. It's a pleasure being here. I'm really excited to be able to provide value for your listeners. Yeah, we're super excited. I believe you're my first overseas investors guest on the show. So (laughs) very excited about that. And to our audience, what's so special about these guys is they are the leads on deals. They're not just passively investing from overseas. They're buying in the U.S. They are active members of their deals, the lead on their deals uh, for properties here in the U.S., but they're not here. They're not even in this country. They're not even on this continent. So we have to figure out how on earth they're doing that. But guys, before we do that, give our audience a little bit of your background and uh, how you got into investing and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little bit about Michael and I. So we, like Justin said, we are in the UK. So we're in Cambridge, England. Michael's getting his PhD over here on this side of the pond at the University of Cambridge. And I actually recently went to real estate investing full-time as of, Ooh. yeah, like 10 days ago. So that's been really- oh, fresh. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, fresh. Love it. Yeah. That's why it's so exciting. <laughs> but <laughs> our entire journey actually started because of COVID-19 and the lockdowns. So when the first lockdown happened over here, it was a little over a hundred days and total we've had three. And that one I think was probably the shortest, but- Everybody was sent home from work and we could only leave our house once a day to work out or go to the grocery store, go to the pharmacy, you know, like very important things. And so Michael and I were like, okay, what are we going to do for this amount of time? And we decided to have a mini book club with each other. And one Mm -hmm. of those books was multiple streams of income by Robert Allen. And there's a chapter on real estate investing. And like Michael read it, got to it first. And then he's like, just read this part. This is all that we've got to do. (laughs) Like, and so once I, you know, read it and learned more about it, we literally like dove in into education. And because we're over here, we were more in like a scarcity mindset, you know, like if the virtual component was taken away from us, like, would we be satisfied with what we did today? So we like crazy, right? Like went to like 10 conferences in 2020. We went to like maybe eight to 10 meetups a week. It was a lot just because we wanted to get as much as everybody else was getting. And initially we were actually going to go the single family route. And like we had picked a market and everything all the way from over here was a Midwest market and an inland hurricane went through the market that we had chosen, which was not part of our risk profile. But so we couldn't get financing for those properties. So like immediately we were like, okay, our five-year plan was to get into multifamily. So why don't we just do that now? And then again, you know, like we pivoted, not panicked. And we just went a whole different education route, you know, like then conferences and meetups were all about multifamily so that we could learn more about that space. 
And I guess to like touch on some big points, like we found a boots on the ground and so many people were like, well, how'd you do that? You know, how'd you find somebody, you know, like, and trust? Well, one of the conferences that we went to, they talked about like, if you put yourself out there on social media about being a real estate investor, like then people know that you've done an identity shift. People will know that you're now doing this. And that's what we did. And somebody that Michael actually went to the Air Force Academy with, like reached out and was like, hey, I've been wanting to like move into multifamily. We should chat. And it was like perfect, right? Because Michael had gone to boot camp with him. Michael had done all of undergraduate school with him. And so it really worked out. And then like slowly from there, we built out our team and built out our confidence for us to be able to close from deals all the way over here, just because everyone got so used to Zoom. So talking to brokers was not an issue. Talking to property management companies was not an issue. Like there was nothing that was an issue. It was just like, oh, well, they keep showing up and they keep calling me. So I guess they're in this for real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I have to pause you there because there's about yeah, a thousand there's a lot. Things, <laughs> so many things I want to break down. All right. So you had no, not only no real estate experience or portfolio, but not even like the hint of wanting to do real estate until you read this book in the pandemic. So we're only, you know, made this like what a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. We're not, not that far away here. Um, so you've had this light bulb moment from the book and so we've got to learn everything. And I guess the pandemic kind of worked in your favor in that regards, as far as all the conferences and all the meetups going virtual, right? And yeah. um, for most of us that had been flying and traveling and all that, it was like, oh, now I got to do it virtually. And should I go to this thing that's on Zoom? And is it worth it? And here was this whole new world opening up for you guys that um, had not really been there. Like there were some virtual conferences, but you know, 2019, not nearly as many as there are right now. And and now that's a very legitimate um, avenue that people are exploring as far as like, yeah, we all want to get back to in-person, but I don't think the virtual conference is going away either. So um, you're able to capitalize on that, which is pretty cool. So tell me a bit about like, okay, you're a single family, the inland hurricane, I get that. How, How do you even start from like, okay, we found out about real estate, we found out about multifamily, how do you go and put together this process and confidence to say, yeah, we're going to go take on, you know, hundreds of units within the first year and a half. Tell us about that. There's just a lot, right? So like, I think the biggest thing for us, like as Susie mentioned, the the first thing we needed to do is find a boots on the ground partner, which then got us the confidence. Okay. Now we have somebody in the area. We're 4,000 miles away. We need somebody in the area that can walk the assets touch them, maybe even smell them potentially if necessary. Um, <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Did you yeah, pick your absolutely. market based on where your friend from the Air Force was? Yeah, that's a great question. So initially when we started looking at real estate, we, we did a, a survey of like a bunch of different Midwest cities and towns and things like that. And so um, in Oklahoma City and Tulsa ended up being in that initial analysis that we did. And then it just happened to be that one, you know, that my friend was living in Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma right. City and, and Tulsa is just a short drive away from there. So those those two became our markets. It worked we out that, that those were was... markets you were interested in and your friend happened to reach out exactly. when you started posting on social media. Exactly. The stars really aligned for you guys here. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we had our boots on the ground and so we were confident in that aspect, right? Like we're not just submitting blind LOIs, right? Shortly after that, because we were networking so much, we were getting introduced to people. Well, first of all, we kept telling everybody that we were interested in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. We're new syndicators looking for these types of deals um, in, in these areas. We kept telling everybody that we met that, right? Over and over and over again, right? Sound like a broken record. So because of that, people were like, oh, you know what? 
I know somebody who's actually in Tulsa, who's a syndicator in Tulsa. And then he connected myself and this other seasoned operator and we connected and we had a chat. We really hit it off at that point. And then I just continued to build that relationship and was chatting with him, you know, weekly basis about the market, about brokers, about deals in the area and stuff like that, um, which kept going back and forth. And then I try to leverage my background and try to provide value to him as much as possible. So my background is in education and teaching and, and course design. And so I noticed that he wanted to build a education course on his website. So I said, hey, um, he didn't ask me at all or anything like that. I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I know you're trying to build an education course. Here is everything I know about building course design, like my, all my PDFs on this, like that. hopefully this helps, right? Didn't ask for anything in return. And then he just kept, you know, keeping the relationship up and chatting over and over. And then he was like, hey, you know what, man? Like, you're pretty persistent. Like, let's start meeting like once a week. We can go over your underwriting and, and then you can ask me any questions you want. So it became like an hour every Saturday, which then turned into four or five hours every Saturday because like I had so many questions, of course. So that, Justin, you're asking about our confidence, you know, being able to invest 4,000 miles away. That gave us the confidence by him being a seasoned operator, looking over our underwriting, and then him also opening up his Rolodex basically and say, here's a vendor for this, here's a vendor for this and this and this, like, these are all the people you need to know in, in Tulsa and in Oklahoma city and yeah, go, go wild with it. So, but he saw one thing in me and that was just persistent, both of us, like persistent, continue to show up day after day and doing the things that he told us to do. We were actually doing them. For anyone listening to the show and feeling like they need a mentor, feeling like they don't know where to go, please go back and listen to that again, because that is a masterclass and in how to get a mentor, get the confidence, get people on your side. Because if you would just approach this guy like, hey, I'm interested in Tulsa. I have no experience. I'm not on the continent. Um, please send me your Rolodex, right? They'd be like, get out of town, right? Yeah. But you got introduced through a mutual connection. You added value. You saw what they were doing. You said, hey, let me help you with no expectation of return. And you built a relationship organically. Um, and that, that's the way to do it. You know, that's how I did it. And that's how the successful people I know did it. And, um, you know, the, the question of, you know, you never once said like, Hey, let me know if I can ever do anything for you. Right. Or, Hey, can you mentor me? Like that's, those are not the questions that you should be asking. Right. Um, so I love how you positioned yourself as a person of value and, um, persisted in a way that, well, actually I do have a question about that. Cause how do you persist in a way that is not, um, going to drive a person crazy? Can you give me any insight into that? So, I mean, he would like give us almost like stuff to do every week. Like, Hey, okay. Underwrite this deal and we'll chat about it next week. And so that next week we like came and actually underwrote the deal. And because we had questions, it was like, Oh, cool. They didn't just underwrite the deal. And they're like, well, now I was like, okay, well, how can we change this? Or what happens when we move this lever? Like what happens if this changes or how can we make this change? And so just with that, I think he could see that our like minds were turning, like wanting yeah. to know more. Yeah. But I think, you know, we wouldn't bother him too much during the week. Um, now I know I text him like every other day or whatever, just because we're like, <laughs> we're like friends now, right? Well, now you're in, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but just saving up all the questions because I knew we had a, you know, a blocked off time every Saturday, I would write down all the questions I had during the week. And that's why the, the hour turned into four, maybe five hours sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that person would not be giving you that kind of attention if you weren't responding in a way that was positive and, and thought well thought out. Um, the fact that you did the homework and asked the questions and came back prepared with even more questions, you know, that shows that 
you're willing to learn, want to learn that you're putting the work in because it would be very, very evident to a mentor or a person in that role if you guys had just blown it off and mm-hmm. you know done the bare minimum. You spent 20 minutes on it, like a homework assignment or something. And it's like, uh, that's that's not going to fly. So the fact that you put the, the time and dedication into it, again, guys, if you're looking to, to scale up, um, listen to that again. So, so, so smart. So I really, um, thanks for taking that detour with me. It's, it's really yeah. important. Um, okay. So let's continue with your story because now you've got sort of this mentor person that's in the market that, that you're working on. Uh, what's next? How do you get to that first deal? Yeah. So the way I found all the brokers, and this is like around the same time as I'm building this, starting to build this relationship with the, uh, with our mentor. And what I did was make a list. I went on Crexy and LoopNet made a list of, you know, got all the properties in Tulsa and Oklahoma City off of there, made a spreadsheet and actually listed all the brokers that were assigned to those properties. And then the same same couple of names keep popping up over and over and over again, right? Like you, you find out like, hey, these are the brokers that carry a majority of the deals in the area, right? These are the, the ones that I need to start building relationships with uh, from that, right? Yeah, you don't want to find necessarily find deals on, I mean, you guys, you can, but you don't necessarily want to find deals on Crexy and LoopNet, but you, you can go to those websites and those uh, resources in order to find brokers in the area, right? Active brokers. And so I started reaching out to them. And, but what I did, Justin, was we, we put together a, a package, a cover letter, and it had like everything about myself, about Susie, about our partners, our boots underground partner, and all everything about our vendors, like our insurance uh, broker that we're going to use, our property management company, our lender, everything like that that you need to close on a property, put it all in a cover letter and say, hey, here is our team, Mr. Broker or Mrs. Broker. Here's our team. Send it an email, kind of what we're looking for and our criteria and stuff like that. That does not get them to call you or get them to answer your email. However, when you call them, they will at least pick up the phone and give you five, 10 minutes of their time because you put that much effort. They know that you're serious. And the, the way you can word it too is like, hey, we're real estate investors looking to move into this area, right? You'll say like, hey, I'm a newbie investor, whatever, um, moving, you know, starting to look at properties in this area. We just said, hey, here's our team. And then once we had our, our mentor, we were able to add him to yeah. our this as well. So we, we started getting properties through brokers started underwriting them like crazy. Of course, you know, 90% of them don't work out. Um, and then there was a couple that we were kind of tracking, you know, the good thing is like, whatever, whenever we start underwriting properties, keep a folder somewhere. And we actually use some kind of like a CRM type of software um, for our properties where I know, and I can put, and it was actually um, using Podio for this, but you can put your properties in there and then you can put all the files and everything like that, underwriting and stuff like that. And you can keep going back to them and looking at them. Cause like over time, you'll start to see them come back up or, you know, in a couple of years from now, you'll start to see them retraded if they were traded at that point. Um, but there's a couple of properties that we we're kind of tracking and following. They weren't at the financial um, place that we wanted them to be, but we started tracking them. And that first property, like I said, I underwrote it. A couple of months later, we looked at it again and we actually noticed that it was becoming stabilized. So for your listeners, a stabilized property is 90% occupied for at least 90 days. And what that allows you to do is obtain long-term um, financing on that property um, through like agency debt, whether whether that's uh, Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae or maybe HUD or something like that. But that's a requirement. And that's kind of what we were going after for our first deal. And we noticed this property was two months stabilized. It was heading towards the third month. And we decided to then pounce and submit an LOI on that deal. And because we had the, the cover letter with everybody that was on our team, plus 
we had our mentor as well. Our mentor actually bought a couple of properties from this specific broker before. So the broker was able to take that information and say, hey, I closed on deals with this, with these, with this team before. And we were able to win the LOI at that point. You know, I think having in multifamily, having someone on the team that has experience, you know, it's kind of hard to get get by without it, especially on your first one, right? You know, if, if you did not have that person in your corner, I'm not saying you couldn't have done it, but it would have been a lot harder and you would not have had the credibility with the brokers. As much as they might like you, and I love your tip about we're, we're moving into multifamily. Um, that's, a, that's a great little tidbit you put there. Um, at the end of the day, you know, having been now on the selling side of some properties, you know, the sellers are going to really evaluate you and they want to make sure that you can close. And mm -hmm. I actually did not realize this. I mean, I obviously you know it on one level as a buyer, but we're, we're about to go full cycle on a deal and we're, we're selling a deal probably by the time this airs, we'll, we'll be sold here. And okay. we interviewed our buyers hard. Like we had a whole list and very detailed conversations with the broker about each person um, thorough checks on their websites and past deals. And really, we want to know, are they going to close? Are they going to retrade us? Are they going to hit us with extension after extension? And, you know, are they going to make a, make this hard for us or easy for us? And, uh, you know, I had something I'd always known, but but not had having gone through it um, was a bit eye opening. So, you know, there's it's very tough um, as a buyer to come in with no one of experience on your level mm -hmm. to go after. Uh, how big was this deal? How many units? 88 units. 88 units. I mean, that's that's significant, right? You're talking about multi-millions of dollars. You're talking about significant uh, return for the seller, hopefully. So, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. And they want to make sure that you are qualified. Mm. So, all right. So this deal, you end up closing on on this deal? We did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 88 units in, yeah. in Tulsa? Yes. In Tulsa. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I that's, I think, where we, I want to spend the, uh, a good bit of time here because you know, for me, my process is, you know, we see a property we like, we get our team there as soon as we can. And that includes myself as asset manager. And I want to crawl all over that property and figure out what's going on on the roof and in the crawl spaces and the plumbing and, and everything, right? I want to be in it and see it all um, so that I can build my CapEx budgets and, and everything else. Um, I'm assuming that is a little different for how you guys did, did your process. So, so talk us through like the due diligence and, and putting together your plans for ownership. Yeah. Um, so of course, because of COVID and everything like that, it was Susie and I were not able to travel to yeah. the property for, for physical due diligence. We were able to do most of the digital stuff. However, you know, um, we had our mentor, um, who went to due diligence cause he, he's like, well, I have other properties in the area too. I want to look at them. And so kind of, uh, you know, did that at the same time. But he was there, and then our two other uh, team members were there as well. So we had three people from our team basically there. And then our property management company sent out two people, or actually three people, um, that kind of helped walk the property and walk each one of the units. But even just to add, right, so like although our mentor was there, he wasn't like, oh, I'll look at the units and let you guys know what they're like. He had told like Michael and I, like, this is yours. You have to figure it out or else you're never going to know. And with us being new, it was like, okay, well, what do we look for? And because you hear so often in this space, like, do not reinvent the wheel, what I did was like went to well-known asset managers in the space and lo and behold, they have a free guide on what to look for, for due diligence. Mm -hmm. So I downloaded probably um, seven or eight and made like a really big list on exactly what they should look That's for. Awesome. And then, yeah, because 
that was all that I could do. I was like, okay, well, what would I do if I was there? And that's what I would have done. I would have still found the list. And then there was just so many pictures. I think even for the 88 unit, we had over like 800 photos that they all took during the day. And it was like, oh, I feel like we're here. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> and oh, that that's was a awesome. big part of it. Yeah. Cause we, it was, you just don't know what you don't know. So, you know, you do as much research as you can to be as prepared as you can. And that really worked well for us. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like you missed out on the fact that you could not be out there? Emotionally, yes. <laughs> hey, that's a very legitimate concern, right? Especially your first big deal like that. That's it is an emotional uh, journey. Anything uh, outside of that, or you feel like you really had all your bases covered? There's there's nothing huge that we missed out on that I can remember. Um, let, let me ask a question a different way. Did you did you guys raise money for this deal? We did. And did you get any pushback from any of your investors or potential investors on the fact that you had not set? foot on the, you yourself had not been on the property. No, but that was a big question. Who is going to check the property? Yeah. And we were like, we have, we've got people there. We, we promise, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. that was even a thing from the beginning. They're like, you're where, and you want to do what, mm-hmm. you know, but then mm-hmm. it was just the consistency of showing up and putting out content that they were like, Oh, okay. They communicate enough with everyone really to know that like, this is what they're doing. This is what their plan is. Cause that's what we did. You know, we told them the plan. We told them what it was like. We like sent an email after due diligence before along the whole process, just so that there was another sense of security. And you're not, even though you're geographically separated, you're not absentee. You're still a very active team member. You know, you have people doing the doing on the ground and then you are still an active, you know, it would have been easy to be like, oh yeah, they went out and here's a report they created. It's like, no, this is, you know, this is how it impacts our plan. I'm putting this together. You're still taking ownership and controlling ownership over it. Exactly. Um, I was going to say, there's one thing, the size of the, where the washer and dryers went, oh, that yeah. was missed. Yeah. One thing that we missed, yeah, because we're putting in in-unit washer and dryers. And so um, we asked somebody to measure um, the closets and they're like, yeah, we did it. They'll fit. Uh, turns out they didn't do it and they didn't fit. Um oh, no. And so, so, yeah, that so was we had something. to, you know, you know, just tearing out basically like a door frame and yeah. then pushing that back to the walls or whatever, but um, which, you know, added a little bit of extra cost. Which, by the way, you know, could have been missed had you been at the property and you sent someone over to go measure it for you anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. Fairly, fairly minor, minor thing in the grand scheme of things, right? But there's always a solution. So how has it been owning and managing this property um, tell us, tell us a little bit about how it's performing through COVID and, and what that experience has been like. It's been, I've, it's been very enjoyable. Um, you know, as you know, asset management is, has its ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, when we get a call after a 4th of July weekend that all the pool furniture is in the pool now, ruined some umbrellas, things like that. That's annoying. Um, <laughs> or, or a fence, you know, the fence was, you know, we, we had plans to redo the fence and uh, everything's kind of backlogged right now because it's summertime and everybody has their contractors doing a million different things. And so it was on a list of, on a wait list and then, uh, you know, the wind blew and it fell down. Right. So like just things like that, that, that kind of like, you know, you have ups, ups and downs and other things like that. What has really helped us, Justin, was we, from the very beginning, we set up, so Susie and I both have the background of project management, like program management, things like that. We manage yeah, like me too. Cool. Yeah. So we manage like a lot of big projects in our careers. And so what we did from the very beginning was set up like a, a online project management software. What we use is Asana. Um, there's other ones out there like monday.com and Trello and things like that that people can check out. But 
from the very beginning, we, we set that up and in that we have, you know, our property listed. And then in the property, we have all the tasks and all the projects that have we have going on and we can assign it to, you know, whether, whether or not that's assigned to our regional manager um, or assigned to the onsite manager and things like that. And then we can track the progress of our specific projects. And the great thing about Asana is like, you don't have email, you eliminate email completely, right? So like, it's none of this emailing back and forth invoices and hey, this is what's happening to unit 112, you know, or whatever, right? So like everything is in Asana, you can upload files, pictures, movies, things like that. Everything is in Asana and you say, hey, what's happening to unit 112 and everything there um, you can see. Um, Who is or, filling hey, that out for you? Um, so uh, our regional is. Our regional, the regional manager yeah. is using Asana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they're reporting out of their software, you know, yard. Oh, well, so we introduce them to the software. And then they all, so they have their tool and then they also use Asana to to interface and communicate with you. Right. So they have Appfolio, which is just like where they report all their numbers and their Mm -hmm. all the financials are pulled from. Um, But then we have for communication purposes, like daily is, it is daily communication that we have with them, which is great because we can do it on our phone. On a computer, wherever we're at. You I know? mean, it's just to avoid the 4,000 emails and having to do reply all every single time, you know, because yeah. that just get, like bogs down so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, since, since we're on the subject, what other tools and communication tools do you guys use? Um, so other than Asana, the other big thing, we just, we do weekly meetings via Zoom so that we can, okay. we can see everybody and stuff like that. Um, do you okay. mean for like asset management itself or like in our entire business? Uh, all of it, all of it, okay. you know, and yeah. do you know, are you guys, you know, with your boots on the ground, how are you communicating with them? How are they giving you guys reports? You know, is that through email? Is that through Asana? What, what are you using there? Yeah. So for our boots on the ground, that's actually still like, we actually have a group chat that works out okay. really well. You know I mean? Yeah. We have a Google drive folder where everything is in. So like photos can be put up in there, like reports, anything from vendors, all of that can be added. Um, but it, you know, the power of all of us just having an iPhone has worked out in our favor, especially being over here. And that's been the best. I mean, like for investor relations, you know, we do everything through active campaign and that is also used for our like marketing and for our CRM. And that I like that complete integration because realistically at a point you want things to be automated and having everything just all in one spot really makes everything streamlined at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got the 88 units. Uh, what comes next? You guys have made another purchase, right? We have, yeah. And what came after that was fairly quickly after that was an opportunity to purchase a hundred units from uh, one, one of our operators that we know in the area. So we ended up purchasing that. Um, and because we had been networking, they knew that we were capable of closing and their team knew we were capable of closing. Um, it was basically a no brainer, even though um, from what I understand, we weren't the highest Bitter, but we they know they knew we could close and we wouldn't retrade and things like that so so from i just want to stress this for, for our audience you know from from no multifamily experience um a year and a half later they've got sellers that that know and trust them enough in their market to say yeah even though if you don't have the highest bid i know you well enough and trust that you're going to close this deal for us um, a really impressive uh, uh, feat uh, of networking and, and putting yourselves out there. So just uh, I'm giving you a round of applause for, for that. Thanks, I'm impressed. Um, and, you know, so much of what we build into our business is 
getting on the ground. And I, I actually am a big believer in the fact that I need to be at my properties fairly often, more in the beginning, or if they're unstabilized um, and we're doing a heavy value add. Um, so this kind of is going against a lot of, uh, I'll say what I believe in as far as like being on the ground. But, you know, I think that to your point is you have somebody there, you still have somebody there, you have a presence there. It doesn't have to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, who not how, right? We got to yes. who, who yes. can do these things for us. <laughs> Power of Dan um, Sullivan. <laughs> yes. So this is something I'm working on as well is how, how can I have someone else do it in, in a way that I trust? And, you know, you yeah. are forced to trust somebody to do it. Yeah. So me, I'm like, yeah, but I could still get on a plane or it's only a few hour drive, you know, so I get kind of sucked into that. So like so often though, you hear how like people just want more time, right? Or they want to be able to go on vacation and do this, or they want to go somewhere with their family for a month and not have to worry about it. And like, that's the biggest thing that we want to just communicate with people is that you can do it from another country. Um, You know, you just have to have the systems and processes in place, but you can also step away for a little bit if you have to, because you should have like people on your team who can take over the job. And that's why we're so big on having everything in one spot, you know, whether that's a sauna or the Google folder, just because people can pick up where they left off, you know, like we record every asset management meeting that goes straight into the folder so that if people, other GPs could not attend, then they actually know what's going on. They don't have to be like, oh, what happened last week? That's, that's never something that occurs. That's great. What metrics are you guys tracking out of your property calls with your your managers? Yeah, so there's um, five big categories that we track, right? And everything can be broken down a little bit further. Um, So there's income, of course, we track that. Um, And then leads, we track that. And I can break these down a little bit further if you want. We track maintenance and then lease. Well, leads and leasing kind of roll together. But the other thing, too, is we track is... uh, this kind of falls under income as well, but it's a loss of lease burn off as well. You can kind of see where we're progressing and things like that. So, and um, do you guys have like dashboards set up or how are you monitoring that on a, on a weekly basis? So we use um, Google sheets that mm-hmm. every, so we have access to Google sheets and of course, and then our, um, our property management company has access to them. So the onsite manager up, updates those KPIs every single Monday that we can look at. So awesome. So you're really tracking the data in Google Sheets and then you're using Asana for like assigning tasks and, and keeping the, the projects rolling, right? Exactly, yeah. Daily, okay. daily, like that's like daily communication, yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, so so in a, in a fairly short time, you're now up to 188 units, right? Two, two big properties. What are some of the surprises or um, any uh, interesting uh, stories or anecdotes you can share with our audience that maybe you were not expecting from, from buying um, these, these properties. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you a story that kind of made our heart, my heart drop, drop uh, Justin and that. So like a couple of weeks ago, was it last week, last Friday or something like that. I think it was a week ago. Was it? Not sure. Yeah. A week I don't ago. know what story he's going to tell. Oh, the, <laughs> I don't know. What it yeah. So we get a call and then we missed the call, whatever. And it's our regional. And she's like, Hey, uh, we need a chat immediately. It's like, she's never called us before. Right. Or never like, a good, never a good, never a good thing. Right? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm thinking like the worst is like somebody got shot. Like yeah. there's some, there's a death on our property or robbery. Cause I, I was, we hear these stories, like these horror stories of people like, you know, they gun down like the air at the airport and then they run into somebody's property or somebody gets shot on the property. And I hear all these horror stories. I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening to us. Yep. And so <laughs> my heart's like dropping and I'm like, you know, about to go tee off for golf. And I was like, Susie has like, can you please just call and, uh, and find out what's going on? You make her do the dirty work. All right. yeah. 
<laughs> I was like the whole first hole, you know, all I'm thinking about is like man, somebody died at our property and it was like the worst, but it was, it was not as bad. Uh, basically somebody was like refusing to let us into their property. There's running water in their, in their unit. They can hear the neighbor could hear it through the walls. Um, but, and it's going like, you know, 2.6 gallons per minute or whatever, which is a substantial amount of water. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like they wouldn't let us into the property. And so we or had into the, the apartment, into the, yeah, sorry, into the apartment unit. Um, because they're like, this lady was like freaking out saying the maintenance was going to like rob her and things like that, which is weird because I don't know what's going on with this specific Listen, lady. We can never justify the yeah. 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 You know, so it, it is what it is. He's like, what do we want to do? And I was like, well, we just have to wait until the, the, we get the warrant to go in. Right. So, um, yeah. So there's a bunch of lease violations because of that and things like that. And I mean, she's, she's also has some other lease violations. Uh, you know, that's about. interesting. Cause I believe our leases all say that we can enter in case of emergency. Yes. Um, but then if you have a tenant standing there saying, no, you may not enter, I'm not sure what supersedes. So like um, we, she, we tried to get in and she blocked herself on the door. So the maintenance guy was like, I don't want to hurt her by yeah. breaking down the door. So then because of that, she called the cops, cops came and they were like, this is what you can do. Like you can push through her. I don't know like how well that'll go or like you, like Michael said, like go through the courts to get that just piece of paper that is like, okay, we're coming in and whatever happens is on yeah. you. Basically we we're getting possession of the, of the property yeah. again. So like basically. Her, oh, her you were already getting possession of the property. No, no, no. Already... Like we had to go through the process, like through the court to get possession because she wouldn't let us in. Meanwhile, you're leaking water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a constant basis. Wow. Um, but she's she's what, legally responsible for all of the know. cost. Now, um, how much she's going to pay? Well, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but, they're legally responsible for the big balances that you know that yeah. they're leaving the property yeah. with. You know, when they don't pay us for the last year and a half, and what happens? Um, collecting it is is going to be a different story. Yes. So you are faced with a leak and you have to go through the courts to even get access. This is incredible to me. Um, and incredible. How long did it take the court to grant you access to the unit? A week. So one, that's very fast. Like that's great that you were actually able to get an appointment, get a date, get in, get access within a week, but two, you know, water running for a week. Right. Could you have done something else? Could you shut down the water to the building or, so um, that's what it would have shut down water to the entire building. And I guess that's where it was hard because we didn't want to disrupt all the other residents. Right. There's 24 the other units. Yeah. 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 That is a tough situation. Yeah. So what's the follow-up and do you, do you have an estimate on damages or, or what's happened? No, we should, we should we, find yeah, out we're going to find out. <laughs> That'll be a fun call. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Get our insurance agent on the phone and make sure that, uh, yeah. Look, these things happen. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, all your fears from before those things happen as well. I've had most of those happen. Right. People die. People injure other people. People leave their water on and cause a huge amount of damage. And um, unfortunately, all we can do is be prepared for it and, yeah. and you know, have the right team in place that can handle it. So, right. you know, good on you guys for moving quickly and going through the process. But, yeah, I'm I'm concerned um do you know like was there damage to the tenant below them or besides them or no so like from what the residents around them said like their unit was fine but that was also at the beginning of this process I mean on mm. Tuesday when we talked to him it was still that way 
So we don't know. Yeah, we don't know if it's like a, you know, it's just like a constant leaking toilet. Toilet. That, okay. that, yeah, that, like that it could be, be that, and we don't know. Which will be, <laughs> right. and, and the way that the, the regional has said and the maintenance guy is like, that's the most likely situation because there's no water rushing anywhere, okay. um, which is good. So that's not so bad. Yeah, because yeah. at least it has a place to go. You don't yeah. want right. it to go onto your floors and into the right. yeah. floor exactly and, and all right. that other stuff. Um, okay, that's not so bad. Wow. Well, you know, that's part of it, right? This is all part of it. And uh, Yeah, when Susie said it was just a water leak and this resident was like, I was like, oh, that's such a relief. Yeah, I thought yeah. like somebody had got shot or something, you know? So, right. <laughs> you know what? And by the way, you're going to own enough property. It, it's going to happen. So yeah. that's, it's just, especially you said you're a C-class, you know, value add investors. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what happens. Um, unfortunately, it's a, it's a part of life. Uh, okay. So what is next? Um, tell, tell me a bit about like the brand because now you guys are like, you've got this cool brand going on and you've got um, meetups happening in, in the UK and like, t- tell us a bit about, you know, how you're positioning yourself for the, for the next steps. Yeah. I mean, so like we, I guess next steps are to hopefully take down like another property or two this year, but really like with the meetup and with the podcast. So they go kind of hand in hand, like one for the meetup, we really do want people to know, especially in the military, right. That like they can invest while they're living overseas. Cause for me, like as the military spouse, like moving from different countries for one, but even state to state is like really hard on your career. So like, I want military spouses to know that this is something that they could give in, get into actively and passively. Cause you know, even to be passive, at the beginning takes a little work to get to know the operators and like get to know the numbers that you need. Like they can do this and like contribute in a way where they don't have to think that they're having identity crisis because they are no longer in a career jumping from career to career. But with our podcast and just everything else, like our big thing is return on impact. And like what that means is like, how can we create like that 1% impact on everyone that we surround ourselves with. So whether that is our residents or our vendors, our property management company, you know, our limited partners, anyone, just because like 1% might not seem like a lot, but 1% over and over and over, like creates this great trajectory of goodness. And so that's really just what we're trying to do. And that's why podcasts came to life, why the meetups came to life, while why everything like education related came to life, because we want people to be able to get into this like for free, right? Because that's what we did. And so say they can't like get as many books, like, okay, well, there are videos everywhere. Like you'll have to watch a lot of them, but you can do it. And it's just showing mm-hmm. that like the materials out there, questions can be answered. Like you can do it. I love it. I love it. So the 1% is to make everyone's life around you just 1% better. That's your return on impact. Yeah. Like one, like, or how they can be like even 1% better every day and how they can do that in like their families and then in their community so that it has like a really beautiful ripple effect. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and so are you looking for more properties in the same market? We are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We love our property management company. Like that is a huge, huge, huge thing for us. Like they are part of the team. They are not like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. So for us to move properties, we would have to create a relationship with a property management company who, oh yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Move properties. Oh yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Move markets. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In order for us to want to move, we would just need a new great relationship. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so you mentioned the podcast. Please tell our audience where they can find you and a little bit more about what, what's happening on your podcast. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. So the best way to get a hold of us is just, it's very simple. Just go to adventurousrei.com forward slash info. And there is like a landing page where you can find everything about us. You can, you can read more about Returnal Impact, which Susie just talked about. You can find our podcast there. You can find our YouTube channel as well, which we have a lot of asset management videos yeah. and some like beginning like multifamily videos <laughs> as well. Um, and then you can connect with Susie and I on LinkedIn. And when you connect with us via that, that uh, make sure that you say, hey, I heard you on Justin's podcast and love to connect. And we will accept that connection for sure. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to take it in. All right. right? I love it. <laughs> well, you guys, this has been very fun. Um, I, I'm so excited by all the progress you've made. And um, it's always good to talk asset management because that's, you know, that's my jam. That's, it's a lot of fun. So I know our audience got a lot out of this and, you know, some really awesome strategies to, to manage your properties from afar. And, and I think it's great. Okay, before we go, we have one final question for Susie and Michael, and that is for your true multifamily tip. So somebody comes to you, the experts of a year and a half into this thing, they say, I want to be where you are in a year and a half. Uh, what is your true multifamily tip for them? So I think the biggest thing is like networking, because at the beginning, it got us so far, like, you know, just go to the meetups show up consistently, but then even network afterwards when you're in asset management as well, because that's how you're going to meet more vendors, more operators in the area. And that's really how you can find like true off-market deals. So network, network, network. You just go to like meetup.com and search like multifamily investing or whatever investing you're interested in. And you'll find there's so many since COVID starts, since because of COVID, the silver lining because of that, there's so many online uh, meetups that now occur. And a lot of ones that moved online and will stay online or at least have a partial online presence. So there's so many out there. You can attend them virtually almost in every state, I'm assuming. Um, so there'll, there'll definitely be something for you out there. Absolutely. And you guys are masters of networking uh, as you've proven. So, so congrats on that. Uh, and I really could not agree more. So uh, guys, if you like this episode and you want to hear more, all of Michael and Susie's contact information is going to be on our website, truemultifamily.show. Please go follow them, like them, listen to their podcast. And uh, thank you for tuning in. We will see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily.